Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on Facebook by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast and by looking on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Western Dubuque Program in Review and 2020 Season Preview. This episode is sponsored by Carrie Nauman of Carrie Nauman Photography. Find her on Facebook for all your photography needs. Very exciting day here today at the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. We are joined by longtime Bobcat head coach Casey Bryant to give us a little program in review and to give us a 2020 season preview. Coach Bryant is the newest member of the 500th Win Club, 2018-2019 TH Coach of the Year. I'm sure I'm probably missing many other accomplishments he'll tell us about. His program holds 10 conference championships, 9 district championships, and they have made 7 trips to the state tournament. Coach Bryant, welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be here. Looking forward to having you. Looking forward to the hour that we're going to spend here talking about baseball and talking about all things Western Dubuque. Before we get going here, tell us a little bit about yourself, your experiences as a player, your experiences as a coach, and how many years you've been at Western Dubuque. And if you know your overall career record off the top of your head, you can also plug that as well. Okay, well, uh, I grew up in Creston, Iowa, which is southwest Iowa, and uh, played for two outstanding coaches there. Uh, Played for Tom Barnes, who is a, a fabulous coach. He also coached at the University of Dubuque. Um, and I also played for Vic Belger, um, who is in the Hall of Fame, and uh, became friends with his son, Scott, who also is in the Hall of Fame. He uh, coached Southeast Polk to a few championships. So I had uh, a good a good background there uh, with those two guys. Um, ended up going to the University of Dubuque. Uh, I originally signed uh, to play baseball at Southwestern Community College out of out of high school and actually played uh, baseball and basketball there. Um, but I got mono uh, halfway through the, the first term. And if you know anything about mono, if you get a bad, a bad dose of that, it, it puts you down for quite a while. And so I missed literally three weeks of school and just couldn't even get out of bed. And um, so um, I withdrew and, uh, um, Coach Barnes actually had taken the job at the University of Dubuque, 
And so I transferred there and played there um, for three years. Missed one year. Um, I broke my jaw, got hit with a line drive, and broke my jaw in two places. So I missed my most of my sophomore year. Um, and then my senior year, our coach got let go. Um, they just didn't provide him the resources necessary to to build the program the way he wanted. They were making him coach um, two sports. He was having to coach women's basketball. Um, they uh, weren't giving him much of a recruiting budget. Um, they were really limiting his ability to do a good job, and I think that came to a head, and, and they let him go. And when he left, you know, a lot of the players there were pretty disgruntled because – now you have a whole year, you know, going into my senior year, you have a whole year with no recruiting. Um, you have no idea who the coach is going to be. Um, so there was a lot of frustration there. So a lot of the players transferred out. And so I transferred to Mount Mercy and played my senior year at Mount Mercy, which was a great experience. Uh, we were a playoff team, uh, just a program that was um, done really well. Coach Kurt Long, who's now the athletic director at, at Clark University, uh, was my coach there. He actually won uh, a national championship down at uh, a D3 school in North Carolina, I believe. Um, so I played my senior year there, had a great year there, uh, was an All-American there. And um, then uh, that, then I transferred back to the University of Dubuque and, and uh, actually got my did my student teaching there and got my degree back where I started. So Nice. And what about your coaching experiences at, at Western Dubuque? Did you coach anywhere before Western Dubuque? What brought you to Western Dubuque? How long have you been there? So I had a couple grad transfer um, opportunities. I, <clears throat> when I was student teaching, I was a grad transfer at the University of Dubuque with Dennis Ryan for one year. Uh, and then when I became a teacher, um, I started coaching freshman uh, baseball for Ed Fane, another Hall of Fame coach at Waller. And coached there for oh three or four years, I believe. Um, I was also a grad a grad coach at Clark University for Mike Davenport, who uh, is at Madison area uh, Madison College, which is uh, a community college in Madison, Wisconsin. And um, he's also an area scout for the New York Yankees. So um, a lot of influential coaches in my life, uh, not to mention. Uh, coaching alongside Tom Jank Jr. and Jerry Rowling, two more Hall of Fame coaches. So uh, I've been surrounded with great coaching, and and that's taught me, you know, kind of what my beliefs are and giving me my foundation for coaching. Uh, I did move to uh, Western Dubuque um, after five years of teaching at Resurrection uh, on the West End of Dubuque, I uh, where I actually met you, Nick Manneman. Yeah, seventh and eighth grade. That's right. You were a legend. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I moved to uh, Western Dubuque and, and got a baseball job there and um, a counseling position there um, 22 years ago. Um, the first two years I coached, fre- I was freshman coach for one year and then the assistant varsity coach for a year and then took the head job um, after two years there. Nice. So how many years have you been at Western Dubuque now as the head varsity coach? Well, this will be my 20th season. Congratulations on the longevity. And after 20 years, do you know your overall career record, or is that something that you don't really ever think about? You know, I do know it, only because you said you were going to ask me this question. Okay, uh, all right. 
506 and 282. Uh, but to be honest, I don't really worry too much about that. I'm more concerned with getting my players recognition and, and worried about their accolades than I am any of that stuff. And and you do a great job at that. You did name drop a couple people. So if I can plug the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, you mentioned Hall of Famer uh, Ed Fan. He's going to be joining us uh, in a later show. You also mentioned Hall of Fame coach Jerry Rowling. He's going to join us on a later episode as well. And I was going to mention that when you had me at Resurrection, there was a myth going around. There are myths about people's teachers. Now, this was going around the student body at Resurrection in 7th and 8th grade that you once had a tryout with the Cincinnati Reds, but before you went to your tryout, you had broken your jaw and were unable to go to that tryout. Can you help clear that myth for all the people from the Resurrection community to, uh, I believe it'd be 1995, 1996 that are listening. Any truth to that? <laughs> well, there's a little truth to it. You know how things get distorted over time. Um, my senior year of high school, I was um, selected to participate in the Iowa High School um, Baseball Coaches All-Star Series. Uh, they have that at the end of every year, and they select select the top 32 seniors in the state. And so I was selected to participate in that. And um, that was a, a Wednesday through Sunday experience. And then on that Sunday, there happened to be a Cincinnati Reds camp that was in Iowa City that particular year. And I was invited to that. I think they invited all 32 guys. Okay. And I did, I did attend it. Unfortunately, it rained the night before, and we didn't get to play. I mean, they were going to have us do the full trial, and then you actually got to play games. Uh, with wood bats, which was a pretty cool experience. Because yeah. Back then, it was all aluminum, and um, so. But I did to get. I did get to do the tryout, uh, and it was a great experience for me. It was my first real eye opener to just how much talent there is out there in the world, and how many different levels of baseball there really are. Um, I was not selected to move on or anything in the in the tryout process. You know, I was a five foot nine, hundred and at that. 175 pound white boy and uh, I didn't have a whole lot of speed uh, I had a great arm and I could hit uh, but the guys like me were a dime a dozen to be honest yeah thanks for uh, clearing up that that urban legend we heard about you and and get the true story from the horse's mouth here now introduce us to your staff give us some background on your staff and then when you put together a staff or if you have an opening out at western dubuque what are some of the qualities what are some of the things you're looking for when people are joining your program as a coach well that's a great question um and i think it all starts with me uh with guys that have baseball knowledge i mean just like any position, you want somebody that's, that's qualified to, to coach and teach baseball. And so um, guys that have played baseball certainly is a plus. Uh, guys that have any experience coaching or leading uh, the game of baseball uh, really is the first thing I'm looking for. Uh, most of the other things we can teach. Um, but if you don't have a passion for the game and, and you don't have the experience and, and the knowledge of the game, uh, it's, it's tough to, to teach you everything there is about baseball. I mean, I, I'm learning every day, and I've been around the game since I was four years old. So um, I have a great staff right now. Um, right now, of course, the, the key component of my staff is Coach Paul Goodman. 
Um, coach came in with me 20 years ago um, and became my assistant coach 20 years ago. And it was my assistant coach for 19 years. Last year was the first year uh, that he moved down to the sophomore level. Um, he did that because he's always wanting to grow and learn and, and be a better coach. And, and he hadn't had his own team since really early in his career and wanted to have his own team. Um, and, you know, for years and years and years, him and I would brainstorm, you know, what things we wish kids knew when they got to varsity. And so he wanted to go down to that sophomore level and use that use that prior knowledge and, and make sure those kids were prepared for varsity level when, when they left him. And, and so far he's done a, just an outstanding job of doing that. Um, Hunter Westoff is another another one of my coaches. He coaches our JV program. Um, he's done a fantastic job. He's been with us for uh, about five years now. Um, he's really good. Great, great relationship coach. He builds relationships with players. He's a younger coach. Uh, played for me. Was an outstanding player on our 2013 state semifinal team. Um, a tremendous hitter. Um, was a great pitcher younger in his earlier career and then tore his labrum in the state basketball tournament and uh, still competed hard for us but didn't have the zip that he had when he was younger um, but he's still a good pitcher for us as well um, cole perino another player that played for us and he's been with us for uh, several years now he coaches one of our freshman teams uh, you coached with him last year or two years ago yep he uh he really is a, a passionate baseball guy, understands the game, uh, is a great relationship coach as well, has great relationships with players. I'm really excited about him and our program. We have a new coach uh, that actually plays third base at Loris College this year. His name is Dylan Pardo. Uh, we're really excited about him, and I can't wait to work with Dylan. Um, but he has good knowledge of the game as well. And then right now we have an, an opening. Our assistant varsity job is open right now. So... Um, we're in the process of trying to fill that position. How's the uh, application process going? Are you getting a lot of candidates that are interested in that open position? You know, it's it's interesting because it's so hard to find people that are educators um, that want to coach anymore. You know, the pay just isn't what it used to be. Um, you know, our, our pay scale was created in the 1960s. And, um, you know, all the coaches that are coaching high school sports are, are dealing with the same issue. You know, the old pay scale was, ba was based on an old model where people would roll out the ball on, you know, the first day of practice. And at the last day of practice, you were done. Um, and as you know, um, sports have evolved. And every sport now has an off-season program. You're responsible for managing four or five teams in your in your program as well as trying to build a feeder program for the program as well so um, athletics has evolved and coaching sports has evolved so there is one editor's note to this episode at the time of recording coach Casey Bryant did not have a varsity assistant coach since recording he has added Dylan Gatto former prep superstar at Western Dubuque to join his staff as a varsity assistant coach Brian is going to come on shortly give us a little bit of information about Dylan Gatto and what he brings to his staff 
Well, I we also have Dylan Gatto, who recently was hired as my varsity assistant coach. Um, super thrilled to have Dylan in the mix. He played for us and, and had uh, three really tremendous seasons pitching for us. Uh, great left-handed batter, great outfielder. Um, and then he went on to Wartburg and is their ace there and, and broke a couple records at Wartburg and, and, of course, didn't get to finish the season there. But we're super thrilled about having Dylan. He's going to really work uh, work well with our pitching staff and then handle our outfield duties as well. If I can share a little bit of my background. So this will be my first year not coaching in 18 years, and I just left your program. I, I knew about you and I knew about Coach Goodman coming in, and I was impressed with all you guys all you guys have done, but Hunter Westoff was just a coach that I was really impressed with. The kids just listen to him. And when you watch a huddle or when you watch a practice, he has every single kid's attention. He doesn't yell. He doesn't have to scream. He doesn't have to raise his voice to get his message across. But when he speaks, all of his kids listen and take in his information like a sponge. And you do have a good one there in uh, Cole Perrineau. I did coach two years with him, and him and I had had a great understanding. We had a great relationship working together. And I took and did a lot of the infield stuff and a lot of the hitting. And I told him that pitchers was his thing. So we would lay out our practice plans, and I would say, do whatever you want to do with the pitchers. And with his background from being at Loris College and, and pitching in your program, we we did some great things there, and you have some great players coming on up. And, you know, you mentioned that pay scale, and it's it's interesting because before I joined you, I was a varsity coach at Hempstead making $2,800 $2,888.88. When I came to coach at Western Dubuque, my freshman, I hope I can say this, but I was making uh, $2,500. My schedule was a lot smaller. And it's just weird that varsity coach in Dubuque, I was making roughly just under $300 less doing a freshman job with, with a smaller schedule and, and less time and, and less travel. So we definitely do need to take a look at that pay scale and, and how to adjust it to get good baseball minds in coaching because the time we spend and the time you spend getting fields ready um, off-season training, off-season stuff, and um, bus trips, and just coaching really isn't a lot of coaching anymore. It is and it isn't. There's so much time that doesn't go toward anything that people ever see that takes place on the field at a practice or a game. Now, a couple things here. What are your coaching beliefs and, and your program motto? I know in years past it's been win, what's important now. Is is that still the motto this year or are we taking on a different motto? Well, what's important now, acronym WIN, uh, is from Lou Holtz. And uh, it's also referenced in, in the book, The Slight Edge. And that is a, a really a strong motto that our program will always have. Uh, we do have uh, a different model each year, but win is has been our has been our bread and butter. It's kind of what we believe in. It really has to do with you know every single moment when you're uh, competing in baseball or just going about your daily life is to just stop for a second, 
regroup and think what is important for me to do right now. And in the sport of baseball, you know, that game is a, is a game of frustration and it's a game of patience. And so often our emotions can, can get involved in a negative way. And we ask our players, just stop and think, what do you need to be doing right this very minute for you and for our team uh, to have success? And that means when you're sitting in the dugout, you know, how we prepare, you know, how we go about practice, you know, what we do in the off season, what we do in the classroom. And um, we also believe in, in doing the little things. Um, you know, I've done a lot of research into, you know, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. And the primary difference is the people that are successful do the little things every single day, 100% of the time with 100% effort. And those little things turn into big things. And it can get really monotonous. Uh, you know, if you have too much success, you can get complacent and you can lose track of that. Uh, but it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's really about buying into the process uh, of being a good team and, and leaving the program in a better place than, than when you entered it. If you had to look at yourself, uh, what would you say would be your greatest strengths and some of your weaknesses as a coach? I think uh, my biggest strength is I'm open to learning. Um, this game has evolved. It's, it's changed. I know there's, you know, there may be some old school folks that say, oh, baseball is baseball. Uh, the game itself um, has changed greatly since I've, since I've taken over in the 20 years that I've been here. Um, you know, now, if you don't have a focus and, and prioritize your team culture, um, your success will not be great. And uh, I would say that wasn't the case uh, when I started. If, if you don't really nurture your team culture and uh, nurture your athletes' uh, way of thinking uh, and the psychology of it all, um, you know, especially in a game of baseball where, you know, you can fail a lot more than you can succeed. Um, it, it's really going to bite you in the butt. So, you know, being open to learning, I, I think I get things done. I mean, I'm managing a, a program with 92 players um, and five different teams. Um, and, and that's a, a big job. And um, just making sure that those kids, you know, have their physicals can be can be a you know two week process. Um, so I think I get things done. Um, I think I'm always evolving our program. Um, I would say we try to run our program based on data um, because I want our parents. I think I owe that to our parents and our players. You know, I'm not going to make assumptions about you know someone's ability. I'm going to use data and see how fast they are. I'm going to use data and see how hard they hit the ball. I'm going to use data and see how hard they throw the ball. Uh, I'm going to see how, you know, we're going to chart um, how someone's fielding and, um, you know, if they're making plays that they should make or uh, what their percentage of, of you know, pitching-wise, you know, uh, what's their strike percentage? You know, what's their location percentage? Um, you know, in the off season, we do a lot of that with our pitchers. You know, we chart all of our pitchers all winter long, and we get a strike percentage and a location percentage on all our guys. 
we want to know how hard they throw. Do they have a, you know, eight to 10 mile an hour difference between their fastball and their changeup? You know, there's, we've come up with some, you know, we've really standardized our data. So we have some kind of benchmarks that we look for, for players at different levels in our program. And I think that's really taken our program to, to new heights. I think our players understand it, you know, it's easy for for me to justify to a player when they say, you know, why am I not the starting shortstop? And I say to them, okay, well, let's look at, here's our three shortstops and here's the data. You know, these other two kids throw the ball harder. These two kids are, um, have a higher percentage of fielding success. And um, when you put things in those terms, it's less personal. Um, I don't know a coach that doesn't play the best kids. I don't know if there is such a coach. Every coach wants to win and wants to be successful. The best players play. But to be able to explain it in a less personal way, in a more you know, data-based way, it's a lot easier for people to understand. And I, say, I think that's a really big piece to you know, what's helped our program take the next step. Um, I would say I'm also not afraid to fail. Um, I think the most growth comes from failing. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of data out there that shows that, especially in, in the educational setting, you grow the most when you're struggling and you face adversity. And so, you know, our players aren't out there worried about making a mistake. They go out there and they play loose and they get aggressive and they know their mistakes are part of the game and they figure out what we're going to do next. Okay. So there's, I made a mistake. What's next? You know, we work on focus on the next play and how we can help the team from that point. As being an insider and working with you and and under you, I can tell you uh, the two other programs I coached in Wallard and Hempstead, you asked me to do the most outside of actually being on the field at practice and and games. And you held me very accountable and I appreciated that. You helped with my learning, sending me YouTube videos to watch, Trevor Bauer workups and workouts and warm-ups to do and articles to read. And I would say, now I'm going to have Coach Tischer on here later this week, but everything that you do is is data-driven. I always call you the Kevin Cash of high school baseball and the Tampa Bay Rays have really taken analytics to the forefront of of major league baseball and you really enhanced my learning of the game and and i appreciate that and I, i thank you for doing that and you can tell that with the success that your programs have that it is a very positive environment and you see kids striking out or or making an error and and they don't have the appearance as the world just came to an end that they know that somebody's going to pick them up or or they're going to get the next one and and you don't see that that happen very much and that's great when I go out to Farley Park I see that now you've had a long and productive tenure at Western Dubuque what has led to your success and the success of the program I, I know you talked a lot about that previously, but is there anything that you'd like to add to that before we move on and start talking about your sons that are going to be coming through the program? Well, I think, first of all, I think it's, it's, 
it's certainly no secret that we've I've been blessed with some tremendous baseball families. We have a tremendous community. Uh, just in athletics in general, um, the county community out here is has really embraced um, the work that goes into uh, preparing to to you know seek excellence uh, in athletics um, and the talent. You know the players that I have. Um, really, if you think of about a school and and the success that they've had, um, it really comes down to the the players that are entering your program and the families that are there because you can't learn how to play baseball in the, in the short short four to five years you're in the West Dubuque baseball program. You need to come in with a background, and our families are out there um, playing in playing in tournaments. Uh, preparing their kids, um, committing you know resources um, to their to their learning. Uh, I just think that we've had a, a, a real nice run of talented kids that are coming into our program with great families behind them, and that is really um, really one of the big reasons that we've been very successful these last ten years. You talk about your program and you talk about the quality of kids and the families that you guys have. Does your program do any service projects or any outreach in, in the community to get your kids out there and, and get them some exposure? Um, yeah, um, our school has really committed itself. Um, our administrator, Jake Feldman, um, really brought that to our school a few years ago and I really admire him for doing that because it's, it's really made a, a big impact on our school. Um, our entire school does a half-day service project in the fall and then a full-day service project in the spring uh, where the entire school, all 930 students, will be bused out to different locations in the, in the community and, and do just service. And it's filling food pantries. It's cleaning up parks. It's... You know, every little community has different projects for us to do. It's going to elementary schools and and reading books to kids. Um, we've committed ourselves to service at Western Dubuque. Um, for our specific team, um, we run a tournament every April. Um, and, um, you know, later in the program, when I have some time just to speak freely about, uh, about a baseball project, I'll talk more about that. Um, we have a youth organization that we've started that, that our, our team is going to be involved with as well. Very cool. Um, you mentioned your principal, Jake Feldman, correct? Yes. Yeah, I can tell that he just has great leadership skills, and I can tell that that's trickled down to you. He, he called me last summer. My freshman team had had a doubleheader at Anamosa, and I had tweeted about we had swept the doubleheader. One of my players had thrown a no-hitter, but what I was more impressed with was how hard my kids worked and and how, how well they portrayed themselves on the field, and I had shared that. Walking to the bus, I was approached by three Anamosa parents talking about how impressed they were with my kids and how impressed they were with the great sports that they were and how they were complimenting of their children on the other team. And they were really impressed with with how 
my team and my kids really uh, represented our program. And I got a phone call a couple days after that, and my caller ID was Jacob Feldman, WD principal. And I was nervous to answer the phone because I had thought, what did I say? What did I do? Um, I'm really not looking forward to taking this phone call because I'm not, I'm not really looking forward to being scolded. And it was a reach out to me about the positive things that I had done. And he really was impressed and happy how the team was in the community and how that was that made his day that he had saw that tweet and how opposing coaches and teams and umpires and families from other programs were were seeing us in a positive light and I'm a was a seasonal employee making $2500 a summer and it really meant a lot to me and it really touched me that he would reach out to me to to share his um his pleasure for for that so I thank you for that uh Mr. Feldman, that was that was awesome. It, it really meant a lot to me. Now, you have three sons, Ben, who's a senior, Nick, who I believe is a sophomore. Am I right on that? Is he a sophomore? And yes. Drew, did Drew just turn 13? He did. He's okay, so, so now you have now you have a teenager in, in the house to go with the other ones. You have an experience that the other coaches I'm interviewing have not experienced yet or might not experience, but you have three sons that will come through the program. What can you tell us? What? How awesome is that to be able to give signs to Ben in the batter's box or come to a freshman game and, and see Nick uh, on the mound, who was my uh, MVP back a couple of years ago at the freshman level, and know that, that Drew's coming up and if he's a baseball guy, play baseball for you. What, what does that, what's that experience like? What does that feel as, as a father having that experience, doing it at such a high level and doing it at the high school experience? Well, obviously, it's been a great experience so far. Uh, Ben's played for me two years, sophomore and junior year, and and uh, both years we finished in the state tournament. So it's been highly successful. Uh, and you know, it, it doesn't. There's times where um, you know I just I need to step back and just be dad um, to all three of my boys. But um, so far, it's been great. You know, there's some certainly some advantages having your own children in the program uh number one i get a, a really good understanding of <clears throat> what other kids and, and parents are going through and and uh, what they may be thinking um you know the parents and the players better and in a little different way you know a little bit more socially as well um it's a lot easier to be on the same page with everybody communication is better um I can think of at least a hundred times this winter where I've sent out a remind to all my players and given them information. And literally 20 minutes later, one of my kids will ask me a question. Hey, you know, what time is open cage or what time is, you know, what time do we have pitchers and catchers? And I've sent the information out to everybody. They should already have it. They probably already do. Um, but they forgot or didn't, read it yet or whatever you know that communication piece has been really big 
Uh, I think the other thing is you have a you have more of an impact on climate and culture in your program because you know what players are thinking. You know, if we've had a, a tough practice and maybe we had a doubleheader that didn't go very well and had a tougher practice the next day, you can kind of measure and monitor the frustration level of your players, you know, whether they need to be pampered or whether you need to get after them a little bit um, and, and put them to work. Um, you just kind of have a more of a thermometer on, on your teams. And I think that's been really good for, for the program. Now, you recently made the move to the Mississippi Valley Conference from the WAMAC. What was the reasoning behind the move? And has that, and if it has, how has that changed your strategies for in-game and then also preparing for games? Well, the reason for the move is, you know, we just flat out outgrew the conference. Um, we were kind of we're kind of a tweener school. We're not as big as any of the schools in the MBC. Um, you know, we're the you know we're the smallest 4A school in the state. Have been for the last two years. Actually, next year we'll be dropping down to 3A for a few years. Um, but we outgrew the conference. The conference we were in was, you know, schools that were quite a bit smaller than us. Uh, it is a tremendous baseball conference. Um, you know. We expected things to be even tougher when we got to the MVC, and um, the MVC is a very tough baseball conference as well. The one thing we anticipated seeing was we anticipated seeing a lot more velocity from pitchers, um, and we really didn't see that last year. Now, it could be a combination of things. It could be just a down year in pitching, or it could be, um, you know, we got, you know, people throwing the thumb ball at us all year last year. I mean, we had a good team that could hit velocity. So, you know, teams switched up on us a lot. Sometimes uh, I noticed in the MVC, which you never saw in, in Lumen, is, you know, we were one of the top teams. There were times when we played other teams and their top two pitchers hadn't thrown yet and they didn't throw them against us, you know. I don't know if it's because they were saving them for teams they thought they could beat because we were good and they were having an average year. I, I don't know what the reasoning behind that was. Uh, you just never know who you're, who you're going to get thrown against you in this conference. Um, you know, if, I've always been the type of coach that, you know, I line up my pitchers and, and, and let them go once a week and, and throw my better pitchers early in the week and my other pitchers later in the week. I, I found that if you wait, you try to save guys for late in the week and then you get rained out. Now you go a whole week and your best pitchers don't throw. And so I, I don't do that. I don't play games like that with, with pitchers. You know, every once in a while you can look at the schedule and, and flip them around um, to face certain teams, um, especially if you want to, if your top pitchers, you know, need to throw against better competition or whatever. But um, that's one thing that, that I've seen that's very different in this conference is. As teams will play games with their pitchers. They'll save pitchers for certain teams or whatever. And you just didn't see that in the Walmack. Everybody threw their top guys earlier in the week and their, and their you know, three, four, five, and six later in the week. Um, as far as strategy goes, um, you know, you have to pay a lot more attention to base runners in the MVC um, because there's bigger schools with more athletes that are out there. And so we spent a ton of time working on uh, pickoffs at second base specifically. Um, and it really paid off for us. Obviously, we have a tremendous catcher. 
um, but he doesn't catch every game. And so um, we worked our pitchers hard on holding runners. Um, and our scouting was a little bit more than it was in the WOMAC. Um, you know, we, we do have a comprehensive scouting program, and um, that's what I've been doing for the last few weeks is going through every single player on our schedule and uh, getting their, our charts on them um, if, we, if we faced them before. So um, otherwise, it's, it's just baseball. Now, I'm going to jump ahead a question here. You mentioned your scouting process. If I'm coming out to Farley Park this summer to watch a game, who would you tell baseball fans out there? Who are some of the top teams that are going to be in the MVC? Who are some of the top players? And feel free to talk about Dubuque County, talk about maybe even some of your own, but some of those other schools. Who are some of the big names that will be making a trip to Farley Park this summer? Well, I guess I would tell you, uh, come out and watch because uh, we're facing some really talented teams. Um, you know, all the MVC teams are solid. You know, I think the Dubuque schools are just loaded this year. Um, I'm impressed with all three um, Dubuque schools. I, I really think they're all going to have great years, and um, you know I'm looking forward to that challenge of playing those teams. Um, I think Hempstead is is about as solid as you can get right now. Um, Waller has some great young talent, and I was very impressed with Senior. Senior, they just flat out hit the ball. Um, so you know the MVC um, teams are all solid. You know Iowa City West has a tremendous pitcher, Marcus Morgan, who'd be awfully fun to watch pitch. Uh, he's a really talented baseball player. Um, Linmar has Koi Sarsfield that's going to go to the University of Iowa. It's a tremendous outfielder. Um, there's just, and I could name names for the next 20 minutes on great players that are coming to our park. Um, we also are facing our, our non-conference schedule this year is, is as tough as it's ever been. Uh, West Des Moines Valley is coming to Farley Park, uh, one of the biggest schools in the state. They've been in the state tournament um, six times in the last 10 years. Tremendous program, uh, huge school. We're super excited to be hosting them. Uh, we're playing Pleasant Valley at home this year. Pleasant Valley is a state tournament team from last year that has a bunch of guys back. Uh, we're playing Assumption this year. Um, they're a state tournament team from last year. So our non-conference schedule is about as good as it gets. Um, West Des Moines Valley, Assumption, Pleasant Valley, super solid programs. We're excited to have them on the schedule. They're, we use them as we use those games as measuring sticks to kind of see if we're coming along and, and progressing and and um, you know heading towards our goal at the end of the year. Now, if you could think of your twenty years in coaching, if you had to pick the best player that you've ever coached against or you've ever seen play, who do you think that might be? And did they play college baseball? Did they go on to the minors? Did we watch them on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN? What were what were some things you could tell us about that player? Well, I've been around a while, so some of these names you may not remember. But uh, the, the four guys that stick out the most to me are B.J. Hermson from West Delaware. Uh, he signed out of high school with the Twins. Uh, Colin Ray from Cascade. Um is a tremendous athlete, a very talented player. Ryan Sweeney uh, from Xavier, um, MLB player, uh, had a really long career in the show. He really did a tremendous job. 
Um, and that guy, when I saw him play in high school, he was he was like a deer out there out in center field roaming around. I mean, you couldn't get a ball to hit green grass if you tried. That's who Coach Rapp identified as the best player that he's ever seen. And I shared the story of when I homered off him when he pitched against me as an eighth grader. So I, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> and then who's your fourth? <laughs> who's your fourth? And my fourth, I, I'd say, you know, um, Nathan Ramler uh, from Western Dubuque and Brett Featherston from Western Dubuque and Marty Sutherland, Sutherland mm-hmm. from Cascade. Marty Sutherland was a tremendous hitter. Uh, he's assistant coach at Iowa right now, and I just love watching. I love competing against that guy. I, I couldn't get him out. It was frustrating as heck, but uh, he was a player. Um, and, and Beckman had a handful of guys, too, that, that you could throw in there as Now, Coach, recently I did have a Facebook group invite for the Western Dubuque Youth Baseball Organization. This is completely new. This is something that I really do not know too much about. But can you tell us and your community out there, what is the Western Dubuque Baseball Youth Organization all about? Absolutely. And you know me, Nick, I'm always busy trying to make the program better. And um, this offseason, we created a nonprofit organization called the Western Dubuque Youth Baseball Club. Uh, and it's a 5013C nonprofit group um, that is going to be um, putting our own spin on youth baseball teams. Um, we've kind of modeled it somewhat after the Western Dubuque Youth Football Club. And um, our goal with that is to get as many kids out here in the county all playing uh, tournament baseball. You know, one of the, you know, the biggest disappointments I see in the game of baseball, the game that I love, is I think uh, youth baseball has turned into um, a country club sport, so to speak, where only kids that, that have money can get the greatest experiences and get the the best training out there. And, um, you know, we have a lot of students at Western Dubuque that that may not be able to afford to do uh, travel ball with um, Dusty or Gold Standard or any of the private groups. And so um, what this is, it's going to be an inexpensive way uh, for players to get some travel baseball experience. And um, our goal is to have three different levels that people can participate in, and there'll be three different costs to it, uh, but the costs are going to be substantially less than you'd find anywhere else. Um, And those three different levels are going to be based on, you know, the commitment level and um, the ability to to fund um, from families. You know, if you have a family that, you know, goes camping all the time, and they don't want to play in a dozen tournaments over the summer, then they may be able to do, you know, the bronze level, which would be maybe four or five tournaments. Um, you know, because a lot of parents don't know how committed their kid is to baseball at seven and eight and nine years old. And so they may want to st- stick their toe in to, to experience it a little bit. Um, we have sponsors already in place. We have a board. We have a commissioner. Carrie Krogman is the commissioner of of the West Dubuque Youth Baseball Club. She's done a fantastic job. Uh, we have four, uh, five dedicated board members, um, and um, we're going to be putting on tournaments for teams and 
all of the income from those tournaments is going to go right back into the club along with sponsorship money um, to make the prices for these families uh, more reasonable. Um, and then also just having them all play together um, as a Bobcat team. Um, I've been, you know, my son has been playing travel baseball since he's five years old and I've been taking him all over the state and, and other states to play baseball. And everywhere I go, I see all these other teams that, you know, Iowa City Little Hawks Baseball Club and the DeWitt Sabres Baseball Club and, um, you know, Cedar Rapids Kennedy Baseball Club. I see all these youth baseball clubs that are all feeding into a high school. And so um, to unify all the travel teams right now that we have, um, right now we have 10 teams that are signed up for the, for the youth baseball club already in our first year. Uh, so that's tremendous. And um, we can do a lot of great things for those teams. We can, you know, once we get up to 14 or 15 teams, we can actually get Nike to sponsor us and, mm. and they'll pay for, you know, help pay for uniforms and help pay for equipment. And so um, there's going to be a lot of great things coming from this club. Um, at the end of this summer, uh, probably early August, we'll be doing a tryout for all eight-year-old kids that are going to play 9U baseball next spring. And our goal is to have three full teams. Um, this is going to be for Western Butte uh, Community School District kids. Um, but, um, you know, we're not going to turn away anybody, to be honest with you. Um, we're going to prioritize the West Dubuque kids. Um, but if there's kids that live, you know, in the Dubuque district that are kind of bordering us and have a bunch of friends on the team, we'll certainly consider that as well. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And Carrie Krogman is a great, great person to put in charge of that. Did you want to give away any information where people, if they're listening to this, can can find you guys or who to reach out to if they have any more questions? Absolutely. Um, you can email Carrie at um, Western Dubuque Youth Baseball Club at gmail.com or um, you can definitely go to the Western Dubuque High School Baseball webpage. Uh, we have a lot of great information on there. There's a, there's a separate page just on the West Dubuque Youth Baseball Club and some contact information on there as well if you have more questions or uh, if you want to know more about it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people out there maybe say, well, geez, you're going into competition with all these private people. We're really not. I see this as we're going to promote their business, not go in competition with them. Yes, we're going to have our own teams, and yes, we're going to have teams that follow a model that we set up and, and follow our, our mission. But um, our goal is to give them lots of business. You know, we're going to need places to train. Those teams are going to need places to get their instruction. And so our goal is to be able to uh, support those businesses and, and get our teams in those facilities. So um, there's enough room for all of us to, to put teams together. Right now we already have have 10 teams out here that are already playing. They're not gold standard athletics teams. They're not Dusty Rogers teams. I want to get those 10 teams in those facilities and give them more business. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that information, Coach. You bet. Now, Coach Bryant, we're going to talk about the upcoming 2020 season. So if you could walk us around the horn of your team Tell us about your players and some of the position battles that might be taking place this year. I'm <clears throat> sure. Um, so the returning infielders we have are Ben Bryant, 
Sawyer Nauman, Casey Perrineau, and then a couple of good ones off our JV team, uh, Riker Stoudemire, Ben Hogan, and Mike Kraft. Um, our outfield, um, we have returning guys, Carter Kleesner and Peyton Quigliano. And then we have uh, a kid off our JV, Cam Kleesner, who we think is going to be a pretty good player. And uh, and then a couple new guys, Jaden Seeger and Colin Ryder. And our infield new guys are, you know, Garrett Baum over uh, Nick Bryant, Tucker Nauman, um, Tyler Wiedenbacher, Logan Brocious, uh, and then uh, Dakota Lau. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll be infield or outfield yet. Catchers-wise, uh, of course, we got Calvin. And then we have two other good catchers, Carson Skritich and Bryn Fantiger. Um, pitchers, um, it all starts with Calvin and Casey at the top of our rotation. Those two guys are as good as anybody. Um, and then we got Carter Kleisner, Ben Bryant, um, Tucker Nauman, um, Riker Karimsky, or excuse me, not Riker Karimsky, Riker Stoudemire, um, Ben Hogan. Uh, Peyton Quagliano are all guys that uh, uh, pitched varsity or JV last year. And then um, kids off our sophomore squad that are moving up are Jaden Seeger, uh, Colin Ryder, and Nick Bryant. It's great to hear a lot of those names because I coached many of those kids. A lot of good talent coming through the pipeline here. So I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. You lost six seniors two Division I pitchers, 15 wins, 131 innings. Now, you mentioned some names, but who steps up? Who fills in those needs? And who do you think steps up to be the leader to lead that staff? <clears throat> well, if you look at, at Calvin's innings last year, um, because we were so loaded pitching-wise last year with – you know, Beerman and Goodman and and Lehman were our three primary guys we lost. Uh, we li- really limited Calvin's innings. Um, Calvin will get a significant dose of innings this year for us. Um, he's going to – him and Casey both will um, will get, you know, probably nine or ten starts each. So um, that will, you know, gobble up a lot of those innings. But uh, Carter Kleesner and, and Ben Bryant both uh, threw for us successfully last year. Um, you know, they threw a lot of non-conference games and, and had some success, and, and both of them got better over the winter. Um, so those two guys will get some innings. Um, ben Hogan pitched a lot of JV for us last year. He'll get some innings. Um, and then I'm real excited about Tucker and Riker. Uh, and then Peyton Quagliano, you know, he was kind of an end-of-the-week guy for us last year, got some important innings for us as well. So I think all those guys will step up and, and get more work. Yeah, every year there's always that one player that steps up and gives you a big boost that you really weren't expecting. So we'll be on the lookout for those names that you just mentioned here. Now this is something that I, I look forward to, and I always like to ask this question, is take us down on the farm. So who are some of those young players we may not see on varsity this year, but you think have a bright future in your program? Well, um, I'm, I'm really excited about my entire 8th and ninth grade group. Uh, and my sophomore classes, you know, I have a bunch of them 
that are playing JV and varsity already. So um, all three of those grades are solid. You know, there's some good athletes there. Uh, just to throw out a few names of kids that I've seen this winter uh, that impressed me, um, Zach Gale, uh, Nathan Rowling, Michael Brees, Jaden Krause are all sophomores that, that I haven't mentioned yet that um, have impressed me uh, with their offseason work. Those guys also did a great job last year down on the freshman level of being positive leaders and really helping with the eighth graders, too. I'm looking forward to see how, how they develop as well. Who else were you thinking? And then some even younger guys, you know, um, eighth and ninth graders. You know, I don't know the eighth graders that well yet. Um, um, but Isaac Thane, uh, Caleb Klein, Colton McElrath, Ben Myers, or not Ben Myers, Connor Myers. Ben's his dad. I coached him, too. It tells you how old I am. <laughs> Connor Myers, all four of those guys. Um have impressed me just with their off-season work. Uh, Braden Delaney, a good little catcher. Uh, there's some good young players coming, and, I, and I, I'm old. I'm 51 years old, so I can't even imagine. I have 94 kids in my program. I, I can't even imagine how many kids' names I didn't think of. Yeah, and you have that JV program that every coach I talk to wishes they had that program as well, wishes they, they had that available a uh, couple guys that I had, uh, Colton McElrath, holy cow, he played every single position for me last year except catcher and played every single one of them well. And uh, Caleb Klein, you mentioned as well, solid fielding shortstop. He really got got things started at, at the top of our lineup, hitting in that leadoff spot, playing strong defense. Now, here's something that I didn't preface when I was talking to you before, but I think that I might rename Western Dubuque Catcher U. And the reason why I think I might rename it Catcher U is we know about Calvin Harris. And we know about the great things that Calvin Harris does. Not only is he a phenomenal baseball player, holy cow, great kid, great family. I still remember last year us doing that program day where he led all of the catchers in the program through drills and things that he did. But you have Carson Skirtage on your roster, Catcher. He was one of my best players when I had him. Uh, you mentioned Bryn Ventiger. Holy cow, can that guy hit the ball? I had Jack Clemens, who was also a top player for me back on the freshman level. That was also a catcher as well. It seems like you guys just keep producing and have these catchers coming up that are very strong defensively and, and, and can hit a ton. Is is Jack Clemens still catching, or is he uh, tr- transitioned to a different position? Uh, Jack moved last year um, to a different spot. Um, he's playing more of an outfield role now, but, yeah, he is another tremendous sophomore that can really sling the bat. We're real excited about Jack as well. Very good. And is Luke Vorwald finally gone? It seemed like he was in the program for about 12 years. Uh, Luke Orwald, uh is a senior this year. He will not be playing baseball. He tore his labrum. Uh, mm. Man, he did a tremendous job for us the last two years. Yeah, and I hope, uh, Luke, that maybe uh, you can – I don't know. Is he a guy you'd like to have sit in the dugout, be a part of the team, throw on a jersey if you'd like to do that? I mean, he was a great leader when he played freshman baseball back in the days. Yeah, he's he's a great kid. I, I've offered that to him, that we'd love to have him involved in any way that he could – you know, uh, kid's such a hard worker, though. He yeah. 
he puts in a ton of hours for Nauman Masonry, mm. uh, and it, that's that's hard work and, and heavy hours. So I don't know if he'll be able to squeeze it into a summer, but uh, I'd love to have him. And he plays baseball still for Rickardsville. Yeah, uh, he's, semi- he's, he's a fantastic kid. Coach, I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate here again. There is some good news in this question, though. Back-to-back trips to the state tournament, coming off a 32-10 and 10 season, you lost Damon Yeager, Kyle Lehman, Sam Goodman, Zach Bierman. I also did have Calvin Harris, question mark, and Casey got drafted and went on to uh, play professional baseball. But the MLB draft has gotten pushed back, so you'll get a full season with him. You will not be losing him. But what do you say to the people counting you guys out, saying that you lost too much and there's no way – that you can repeat that success? <laughs> well, that, that's a great question. Um, I guess I would just refer to our football season. You know, when we went to the state championship game uh, two years ago in football, we had a tremendous senior class. I mean, one of the best senior classes Western Duke football has ever seen. And um, those of us that had kids that were juniors that year knew that we'd be really good in football. The kids all knew it, the parents knew it, the coaches knew it. No one else in the state really had any idea what our junior class was all about. And when those guys became seniors, uh, look what they accomplished. So I guess I would I would reference that. Uh, I see a similar uh, trajectory in, in baseball. You know, I'm not predicting a state championship. That'd be insane. 4A baseball is really tough. I mean, to me, when we went to state in 4A in 2018, that was like another additional step to anything we've ever accomplished in this program before. Uh, we've been to the state championship in 3A. Um, but when we went to state in 4A, uh, you knew that you were playing good baseball. And um, to get there again will take not only a lot of talent and a lot of uh, development, but it also take – uh, good fortune, staying healthy. Uh, it'll take uh, playing well at the right time um, because, as you know, baseball—it's a streaky game. You know, you, you can have hot bats all year long and go through a one-week funk where nobody can touch the ball and everybody's popping up or pounding it into the ground or whatever. Um, so, a lot of things have to go well in baseball to repeat that kind of success. Uh, but I certainly like the pieces that we have. If we develop, um, two years ago, I felt like if we had another week, we could have won the whole thing uh, because we were still getting better um, the last week of the season. Our guys were still making progress. Um, last year, I don't think we were getting better at the end of the year. I think we were a good enough team to, to possibly win the whole thing had we got through that first game because uh, we had the pitching. But we weren't, get, we weren't improving at the end of the year. If we can develop and continue to improve throughout the whole season, uh, the sky's the limit for this group, and I'm, and I'm really excited about it. My follow-up question about your expectations, you've, you've already answered, and, and thank you for doing that. We, and when I say we, I talk about when I was with Hempstead and on the varsity staff there, we knew this junior, we knew your senior class was coming. We talked about this many times as a staff on how good this group was going to be and holy cow did did they fit the bill 
Um, they, they have done great things for the program, but also great things for the school and other programs as well. Now, you just mentioned some previous teams, and you mentioned um, earlier about some of the great runs that you have. Talk to your team right now. I know they listen to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Give some advice to your current team. What made your state runs from other teams so special and good? And what were some things that happened behind the scenes behind the scenes that not a lot of people would notice? Well, I just want to remind my players and, and my families that, you know, success is an iceberg. You, know, you only really see the part that's sticking out of the water. Uh, but if you know anything about science, there's a whole lot more to it. And it all has to do with preparation and preparing yourself for, for greatness. And if you're not out there working right now, boys, uh, we're in trouble because everybody else is going to be. And there's some talented teams on our schedule. Um, you know, there's only a very tiny piece that sticks out on that iceberg. And, uh, you know, that's what you see in a, in a game performance. Uh, there's a lot more behind the scenes that has to be done to get ready for that game. And, and you know, I know I – in this in this time of social distancing, I've had my kids. I take my kids to the cage every single day. I take my kids out to the park and hit ground balls and fly balls and make them play long catch every single day. And I hope the rest of my my families are doing so as well. I've seen some of them out there, and you know, we just try to stay stay away from them. But six feet. I, I see what they're doing, and I think a lot of them are, are continuing on to prepare for a great season. Coach, thanks for sitting down with us. Thanks for giving us that 2020 season preview. We're going to lighten up the mood a little bit, and we're going to go to our Around the Horn section, which is five random baseball questions that I did not share with Coach Bryant before this interview. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's the Around the Horn section of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Five random questions that the guests were not prepped for. All right, Coach Brian, it's that time for Around the Horn. Five random baseball questions. Favorite player and favorite team? I'm a Cubs man all the way, and I'd say my favorite player right now has got to be Baez. I'm kind of biased towards the infielders. How about growing up? Growing up, I was always a Cubs fan uh, since I can remember. And, you know, I was a Sandberg fan when I was growing up because I was an infielder. Favorite baseball movie? Uh, I have to go with Field of Dreams, don't you? I live, you know, 15 minutes from Dyersville. That's That's been the common theme here. What is your coaching pet peeve? Uh, people playing catch on the skirt. I just do too much field work to see people wearing out the grass, you know, the, the, in between first and third baseline, the dugout. When people play catch on the skirt, it just makes my blood boil. What do you think is the best out pitch in baseball? Change up all the way. That's, that's what I said, too, in a, in a previous uh, episode. And then what is your best Western Dubuque baseball memory? Um, I'd say that the top two would probably be one is, uh, reaching 
reaching the state championship game in 2006 was pretty memorable um, because I literally had 15 guys and, and we hit about 307 um, with the old Besser bats, the old bats, which is not very good. Uh, we were just so good on defense and, and had such strong pitching. It, it just took us a long, long ways. Um, that was pretty exciting. Um, you know, the first time we went to state in 2005 was right up there uh, because Western Dubuque baseball had gone 32 years without going to a state tournament. Uh, and so that was pretty exciting to get there. Uh, we felt like that was a big step for our program. And then, uh, you know, the first time, and the first time we went to state in class 4A in, in 2018 was very memorable uh, because Prairie was ranked third in the state and, and had been there three years in a row. And, it, you know, when we walked into that park, uh, there was just this feeling in the crowd that, you know, they were all they were all there to watch Prairie kick the crap out of us, and and just the way we took them apart that night was was pretty exciting. There was just complete shock uh, throughout the crowd, and you know our fans and, and our bench and our players were not shocked one bit. We we expected it. Uh, we felt like we had the kind of team that could do that, and so it was not a surprise to us. But the fact that it was so surprising to the other 4A teams, because we were still playing in a 3A conference then, uh, so not that many 4A teams knew about us. So those three are probably my best memories. I remember getting texts and people calling me about that game in awe, and we're shocked. And you're, you're right. I, I believe that Cedar Rapids Prairie probably already had their state uh, tournament shirts already printed before that game because so many people look past you guys. Coach Bryant, thank you for taking part in Around the Horn. We know that when we hear Mariano Rivera's music enter Sandman, that it's time for the show to come to an end. So get ready, and it's time for closing time. We know when we hear Mariano Rivera's music in the background, the podcast is coming to an end, just like the game did when he entered. Stick around for closing time. It's tradition here at the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast to always let our guest go first in the closing time. And it is also tradition that I am going to give it a cheesy nickname that somehow goes with their last name. So, Coach Bryant, your closing time segment is called Dropping Bombs with Bryant. What would you like to talk about today during closing time? Well, I don't know if this is a bomb or not. I, I think most people know about this, but uh, I just got to say, I hope people out there understand the um, connection between the success of the Dubuque County schools and the talent level and the exposure of the Dubuque County baseball players with the indoor facilities and the private indoor facilities in our area. I mean, I really personally cannot thank, you know, Dusty Rogers, Gold Standard Athletics, uh, the new facility in Farley, Jason Delaney, uh, his facility, uh, from everything that they do. Um, 
there is to me a very, very steep connection between those guys operating their businesses and providing an indoor facility for freezing cold Dubuque County um, for kids to train, get instruction, uh, get out there and get exposed, uh, get exposure. Um, you know, Gold Standard Athletics and Dusty Rogers, those guys do a fantastic job. I think K-Zone is still in business. I'm not sure about them. Um, and Jason Delaney's, uh, the new one in Farley. Um, uh, I know Delaney's is more a, a rental facility. There's not instruction going along there. But it's a really big deal to have uh, a cold-weather state like this, to have an opportunity for players to work on their game year-round. These kids, they love the game. Dubuque County has a great, great connection to baseball, and kids love to play play the game. They just needed an outlet, a place to go to fine tune their game and to work on it. You know, more than the three summer months that that we have them, uh, and it's especially especially important for high school coaches because we're we are really our hands are tied with how much instruction we're allowed to do between August first and and April. We're very, very, very limited on, on what we can do as far as working with players. Have those guys with a, a really solid baseball background and, and some expertise is, has really been monumental for our, for our county. And I, I, I think some people take it for granted or don't understand the connection there. Uh, I just hope everybody takes a minute and, and thanks these guys and, and appreciates them for, for what they do. Coach Bryant, thanks for uh, stepping into the batter's box and dropping a bomb with us over that left field fence out at Farley Park. I appreciate you always promoting the program. And now a minute with Manaman. I just want to say a huge thank you to the Western Dubuque community. I had spent four years out there as a coach, and they were nothing but fantastic to me. Thank you, Carrie Nauman, for allowing me to promote this podcast and Western Dubuque episodes with your pitchers. You do a fantastic job. And some of the only pitchers that I have of me coaching come from you, and that truly does mean a lot to me. Western Dubuque, I wish you, your players, your fans, and your families nothing but well wishes on and the best of luck in this upcoming season. Coach Bryant, I would like to say thank you to you for being a mentor to me when I was a 7th and 8th grade kid. And I also would like to say thank you for giving me an opportunity to coach baseball and learn from you for four years when I wasn't sure if that was going to be an opportunity uh, for me. I was nervous going into that interview. I believe eight people interviewed and I was the only person that did not have Western Dubuque ties. So I honestly did not think I, uh, I stood much chance in, in getting the job, but you, you took a chance on me and that's, that is something that uh, I will always remember and I'll always thank you for. So Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast listeners, just like that, 643, we're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media 
Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.